Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America College podcast along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. This podcast is powered by Louisville Slugger. Leave your mark with a 2014 attack, raid, and assault bat lineup this season. Stronger, lighter, farther. Louisville Slugger. It's a Baseball America College podcast. Uh... First of the in-season podcasts, Aaron, and uh, we were fortunate. Uh, the weather cleared up enough for us to see some college baseball this weekend. Uh, a lot of snow last week here in the Carolinas, in the Raleigh-Durham area, but not much snow down in Wilmington. And you were going to go to Wilmington anyway. Preseason number one, Virginia. Kentucky, host UNC Wilmington, VMI, the field there. And it looked like a very competitive event um, Cavaliers lose their first game, win their next two, and remain number one in the in the rankings. What did you see of the Cavaliers in person, and what uh, that prompted us to keep them in the top ranking? Well, I'll tell you, they, they came out, you know, flat. They weren't they weren't real good on Friday, and Kentucky kind of took it to them. I thought in, in all facets, um, you know, Waddell looked pretty good out of the gate first three innings, and then kind of hit hit a wall in the, in the fourth or fifth. Command wasn't as sharp, right? Um, and uh, but you know, afterward, Brian O'Connor wasn't really worried about it. He said, "Okay, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll see how this team responds." And he was just very relaxed about it. And they came out and played two great games the next two days. Uh, and that Saturday game against VMI, I thought, was a really complete, dominating performance. Um, you know, they played well defensively. They pitched very well. They certainly hit the ball, and that's what we expect them to do. And so. Um, and then, of course, they came out again Sunday and did pretty much the same thing. I mean, to me, the, the biggest encouraging things that I saw from them this weekend, you first tweeted of all, about this was the, the pitching, right? Starting pitching, you know, because that was – I'm not going to call that a question mark for us, I mean, about them heading into the season. We thought it would be good, but it's good to see it. You know, I mean, Nathan Kirby and Josh Spores are, are, are new to the rotation, and uh, they were both really good. I mean, Kirby uh, was so impressed with his ability to locate to both sides um, with his fastball and especially with his secondary stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's a it's a four pitch guy, and then you know the pitchability, left handed. Yeah, I and mean, there's a lot to like there. And, and Jim Schoner was there on Sunday to see Spores and had, uh, you know, was it six no hit innings? I mean, he was really good also. And Spores was, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. He was basically their number two reliever last year after Kyle Crockett. I mean, he was often often Crockett was the one man bridge. Yeah. But if they needed a bridge to Crockett, it was often Spores. I know I saw him throw very well in Chapel Hill last year. Uh, I think I saw him in the ACC tournament. Um, you know, obviously he's a big brother who threw real hard and was a high draft. But him moving into the rotation, that just wasn't a done deal that he would thrive in that situation. It's one start, yeah. but it was also a start in front of 3,800, a record crowd at UNC Wilmington, which that's a whole other story. How about 3,800 fans at a CAA park yeah. in February? Hashtag baseball school. Yeah, how about that's that? That's pretty cool for UNC Wilmington, but... Uh, that, that was, I thought that was a big development for them. We, Nathan Kirby was a high draft out of high school, a projected high draft. They expected him to be a weekend guy. Spores, I think that's almost a, a little bit bigger story, just how good he was. Like, it's a pretty good lineup. And, and you know, Connor Jones, the, the big, big name freshman, got to look at him on sa- uh, Saturday, Friday, Friday. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was up to 95. Um, wow. With, you know, sharp 
secondary stuff. I mean, he's he's going to be really special. And, uh, um, you know, so they've got arms. And, and the other thing that, that, that struck me about them that I didn't expect, well, not that I didn't expect, but that I was curious to see was uh, Danny Pinero at shortstop. I mean, Brian O'Connor loves this guy. He thinks he's going to be a great player. And he is just a natural, instinctive, fluid defender. He's a, one of those really big shortstops. Um, you know, he's got like a Cal Ripken kind of a, a, huh. a body size. Uh, and, and, um, and he just is natural, and he's got a good internal clock. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, he moved, he moved preseason All-American Brandon Cogswell to second base. Um, and don't forget, uh, what's the guy? John Priest, who was like the all-star shortstop of the Northwoods League. Good player. I mean, like they have just an embarrassment of riches at shortstop. Yeah, they're they're so deep, and you know, and behind the plate, they've got three legit catchers. Although, um, you know, Nate Irving didn't have a very good day Friday. He's, he's he is good. He's better than he was Friday. Uh, but then you know they bring in. Uh, uh, Robbie Coleman on, on Saturday, and he was really good. And then they've got Matt Thice, another really good freshman. I mean, so those are two premium positions. That's how good this team is, John. The two premium positions where it's hardest to, to build depth, they're three deep at both those spots, although LaPriest is really more of a second baseman. Right. But His arm I mean, strength isn't yeah. quite what you need to be at short. But, I mean, they're, they're, they're so, so good up the middle. And Brandon Downs made, you know, I mean, at one point he almost made this ridiculous catch crashing into a wall in center field. He dropped the ball, and he got up and just threw a rifle in the air right to third base. I mean, it's just from the, from the fence. Uh, it, they're just so, they're so athletic. They're, they're fun to watch. They really are. Yeah, the athleticism is what jumped out. Just talking to one of the scouts who had been down there this weekend, um, I, I guess it was on Sunday talking to him, and he'd seen the first couple of games. And he said, you know, it was like, uh, I, he, he made it, he sounded like he was talking about the 2008 Miami Hurricanes team because he just talked about they were hard to scout because there's so many players you have to write up. You know, it's not just two or three guys that you can focus on, like it is with most good college teams. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's like seven, eight, nine guys you're writing up for UVA, and that uh, that that's a problem scouts like to have. I think that's a problem that Coach O'Connor likes to have, and Coach McMullen. And that you know, they they just obviously, uh, you know, like you said, they came out flat. Let's talk about the team that beat them, though, Aaron, real quick. What was your take on Kentucky? The Wildcats came into the year borderline top twenty-five team. Definitely were uh, one of the last teams that we debated. Uh, there were probably like 15 teams for the last five spots in the preseason top 25, and they were one of the teams that we uh, kind of debated through. And in recent years, the big knock on Kentucky is they don't play a great non-conference schedule. They kind of fatten up early, and they haven't withstood that in SEC play. Uh, obviously, one of the good ways to put that reputation behind you is to come out and beat number one soundly on the on opening day. Yeah, and I think they're I think they're gonna be a pretty good club, you know, and and um, I think. First of all, the rotation has a chance to be pretty darn good with A.J. Reed, Chandler Shepard, and Kyle Cody. Those are three good arms. Um, and, you know, the bullpen is the, is the key for them. I mean, they, they Jim, Jim was there on Sunday and said they ran out of a bunch of freshmen trying to kind of see what they've got there. Um, but uh, that's the one question mark that I still have with them is the bullpen. I like their lineup. Um, you know, I, the guys at the top especially, you know, Barrett and, and, uh, and Cousineau, a couple of lefties kind of get him going, and then you got Max Kuhn, the righty in the middle of the lineup, who swings the bat well. I think he's going to have a really nice year. I like him a lot. Good swing. Uh, A.J. Reed, of course, is a presence in the middle. How much does it help you, in your mind? Because it seemed like this was an issue for them last year of when to pitch A.J. Reed. When you have a talented two-way guy like yeah. that, there's always this debate. You throw that guy on Friday so he can just you, you get him, and then if he doesn't, if he, so you, you avoid having that player get hurt later in the weekend or, you, or early in the weekend and you don't get to use him on Sunday or haven't they debated that the last couple yeah. of years? It seemed like last year they started him on Fridays to start the year, and he just wasn't really an SEC Friday starter. If you could maybe 
elaborate on that point a little bit? Like, what's the debate been for them, and where do you think he fits best for them? Yeah, and I think they've had him. They've tried using him on Sundays too, thinking that well, at least he'll be fresh the first two days, you know, right. as, as a hitter. But there, there's various things. I mean, there's various schools of thought on it. Um, he likes. I asked him about it, and he likes pitching on on Fridays. Okay. Um, just to kind of set the tone for the team. I mean, he's a competitive guy, and you know, now I think it helps that Thomas Bernal is, is healthy and can can play a lot of first base, and that way they can maybe DH read a little bit more to keep him a little fresher. So I think that's kind of key. Um, but, you know, I think their lineup has some depth. I think they should be a good defensive team. I like those two freshmen hitting in the eight and nine holes. Javon Shelby, really live athlete, can really run. Um, I think he's going to be an exciting player. And then, and then Connor Hetty, too, down there. Um, you know, he's, he's uh, a smooth you know, a, a smooth second baseman that uh, I think can be a shortstop. After is he Matt a heady Rada's player? Going. I mean, his he's name heady. is Heady. He's Heady, he is. That, that's, uh, that's aptly named. Uh, there has to be some savvy that goes along with that, I would, uh, one would presume. Um, but it sounds like a, a fun weekend in Wilmington. And of course, we came back uh, Sunday with 862 other scouts. Uh, we're not scouts, but 862 scouts approximately at NC State on Sunday. After all the hubbub about the scouting rules <laughs> at NC State, um, they... They just opened it up, and there are just a million scouts there on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess the, the best way to put it, Aaron, is that it was very similar to the Carlos Rodon we saw on opening day in 2013. Obviously, you right, weren't there right. for that one. We were there. A lot of us at VA were there. Uh, he was good, but he wasn't great. And uh, Canisius, how about the Griffs? Um, a, a lot of swag for a team from Buffalo in February. Yeah, they, that's a it's a good word for it. You know, they played with confidence. I'm stealing that from a scout, by the way. I didn't come up with that on my own. So. Well, they they played with confidence, and um, you know, they were in a regional right down the road here in Chapel Hill last year, and they played well there. They they gave North Carolina um, a run. They did, and uh, and they were confident, and and you know they. Ron Pierce um, did a great job hitting his spots, kind of a low slot righty with some run and sink. and um, Very sweepy slider. Sweepy slider and, and, a, and a change piece. And, you know, he mixed them all up and kept them off balance. He just didn't really give NC State a chance. They didn't really threaten. Um, so and No runner past second base until the ninth inning. Yeah, so it was a pretty one-sided game. And not that, you know, he just didn't – I don't think they squared up for Don. Right, I, I mean, agree. Maybe the first batter of the game, um, it wasn't – even that ball wasn't scorched. It was a double into the corner. It was probably the best contact that they had. Yeah. Um, they scratched across three runs. They took advantage of some, you know, shaky defense a little bit. And Radon certainly, I think we could agree, his command wasn't very sharp. Absolutely. But he had like a Logan Jernigan in there in the uh, fourth or fifth, whatever yeah, it was, where he batters, hit a couple batters, walked the guy to force in a run. It was an unearned run because there had been an error earlier in the inning. But yeah, that was not a clean inning by any stretch of the imagination. And, and, and Radon's velocity wasn't where it will be either. I mean, right. um, you know, it, it's funny because Jeff Hoffman came out of the shoot 94-97 yep. um, on Friday, but Radon, Radon was really mostly kind of 90-92, touch a three, maybe a four or two, and right. that's it. I mean, it might, it, might have been, it might have been one or two 94s, depending on what gun you look at. It was very similar to what he did last year, which is in contrast to his freshman season when he came out in these short, burst on three days rest and that's when he just burst down the scene with the 97s we kept on hearing yeah. in the first week of his college career it was kind of interesting how uh you know definitely the weather here has not been ideal but jeff hobbit is down the road yeah um but it sounds like he and we had a you know scout talk about his how good he was how good hoffman had been in a uh scrimmage the week before i was at rodon scrimmage the week before the velocity is very similar um, it's going to be interesting to watch just how, um, but like, as Carlos tweeted after the game, uh, short memory was his only tweet, so 
uh, you know, d- d- he wasn't in his usual routine throwing on a Sunday. Yeah. Uh, a lot of a, a lot of other factors in there. And as a and one of the scouts I talked to yesterday was, you know, it's one you know one game look. You're not going to bury a guy on. It wasn't like he yeah. was bad, but he certainly he was not at his best. And it's like Jeff Hoffman was about as good as he could really be. Verlanderish look on Friday was the way one scout put it to us. So uh, it's going to be fun to follow all year, Aaron. We're just very fortunate, as you wrote about, a uh, great year to be in North Carolina from a draft perspective. And then the best look of all this week, it might have just been Trey Turner. Yeah. And he was really impressive yesterday. So we'll have more about that at BaseballAmerica.com. Aaron, go back to the rankings. We talked about this on Friday's um, Google Hangout. We don't want to get too much, again, into the agent part of it. But Oregon State, number two, sweeps this weekend despite all that uh, against Gonzaga, Nebraska, Pacific. How do they withstand, though, this uh, this change uh, for the Beavers minus Ben Wetzler? They're not a one-man team, certainly not a one-man pitching staff. Um, but how do they go about weathering this as the season goes on with this uh, temporary, we hope, absence of Ben Wetzler? Yeah, and there's been some reports out there um, that um, – you know, the NCAA wants to spend him for half the season, and Oregon State's trying to go for just 10%. Uh, people I've talked to say they don't know where that came from, so I don't know hmm. what, what, that, what that is. But um, There'll be a lot more on this later this week, Aaron's, yeah. Aaron's. You can expect yeah. word, I, I, from what I hear, you can expect word from the NCAA about how long he'll be sidelined this week. Okay. So that'll give us some clarity. But, you know, it's funny, them and, and Oregon are two teams now that even let's say let's say Wester isn't even at Oregon State, right? Hypothetically, say they pull a James Paxton, you yeah, know, and he doesn't pitch all year, right? Um, if you're looking at that staff now with 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 Andrew Moore, uh, first team All American exactly. last year as yep. your Friday guy, yeah, with Jace Fry, who's got real talent as your Saturday guy, left hander that can really pitch and has loose arm and coming off Tommy John, coming off correct. Tommy John, but now he's I mean he pitched last year right. coming off Tommy John, so right. he's farther away now. Right. His stuff is going to jump up. He's going to be. I think a really good Saturday guy. And then they moved Scott Schultz into that Sunday role, closer six last year. Six-year senior, correct. He's been there forever. <laughs> yeah. um, and he, you know, seven strong innings. I mean, he's good, John. I think, I've seen I think, him. He, I think he stayed with Jacoby Ellsbury on his recruiting <laughs> trip. <laughs> I don't think he's that old, Okay, John. Mitch Cannon, I'm sorry. He, um, you know, I've seen him before in relief up to 93 with sink and, you know, a good slider. I mean, he, he's good. He's yeah. got good stuff. So that's three legit guys. Uh, they still have plenty of pieces in the bullpen. They're deep. Like I you mean, said, both Oregon teams, Oregon and Oregon State, both having to take these preseason blows. Right. The thing is with Wetzler, Oregon State was already planning exactly. to not have him. He was just single-digit draft. You don't yep. expect that guy to come back. Great bonus if he does, but they certainly do have the depth to, to withstand it. So. Right. And in Oregon, you know, it's funny. When the Irvin thing happened, um, we said, well, we might have to revisit it. Maybe we'll, we'll move the Ducks down in the rankings in week one. Um, but, you know, they're they're perfectly fine on the mound, too, without Cole Irvin. I mean, it'd be better if they had him because he's really good. I, I like that guy a lot. Um, but, you know, they went to Hawaii for a four-game series, and, and they've still got plenty of arms to deal with a four-game series, even without that guy. And, and he might be one of their best. Well, he is one of their best arms. Is that the strange line of the week, though, as you put in the top 25 tracker? Matt Crook with seven wild pitches. Yeah. Only so, walked two guys, but seven wild pitches. Right, and he only allowed, what, two runs in yeah. ten innings? I mean, it's none earned. None earned. So, yeah, strange line. But Matt Crook, uh, you know, I had heard that he had been throwing really well heading into the season. Um, no, no concerns about his shoulder. Um, so, 
I think that's a pretty encouraging debut, even though there was some some wildness there. And we're talking injuries and Pac-12, and I, we'd be remiss if we didn't go right. Oregon's 11, UCLA right there at 12, Aaron. Jeez. And they just had a brutal first week of the season from an injury standpoint for the Bruins. Again, a deep team, defending national champions. They win their series this weekend, but pretty bad week for the Bruins. Losing Eric Felia and Kevin Kramer for the year, first of all. I mean, two Those are best two, players. The two best hitters. Two best players, period. I mean, that, I mean that's, that's a massive hole in their you're, team. You're starting shortstop and a guy that has been, you know, a three-year starter. Felia was their best hitter in Omaha last he year. He was, absolutely. I mean, he was like their money RBI guy. I think he, had, like. he hit something like 460 in, in, in the postseason or in Omaha or something. I mean, he, was, he was the clutch guy. And uh, you're right. He was their money RBI guy. And so... Yes, I mean, this is, it's just, it's really hard to see them, John, and I'm not going to bury them, right. but it's hard to see them getting back to where they were last year without those two guys. And then Kevin Williams is out at least a month. That's another senior piece that they were really counting athletic. on. Athletic. Athletic. Guy who can skill it up. Yeah, and he can hit, um, you know, so didn't really hit a whole lot last year, but right. he wasn't healthy either. Right. Um, so, boy, I, you know, I, I texted John Savage about it on, on Friday night, and his answer, part of baseball. <laughs> you know, they're what not going to dwell say? on it. Not, what else can you say? He's not going to feel bad for himself. And they went out there and they won games on Saturday and Sunday, so he left them where they were in the rankings. But that's a team that, um, you know, they got Cal Poly coming in this weekend. Cal Poly looked great, I hear, against Kansas State. I mean, they swept them emphatically. Um, I, I suspect Cal Poly will win that series, and then you could see a little adjustment in the rankings with UCLA. If, if they, hey, if they hang in there, I mean, you got to give UCLA this. They have arms. Yes, they have arms. They're like and Oregon and Oregon State. That's going to that's gonna carry them. They have um, John Savage. They have the best closer in the country, and he went four innings in an extra inning game uh, <laughs> and didn't allow anything because that's what David Berg does. Hashtag submarine closers I mean, are awesome. He, and he's the best of the breed. He is. He is. That's the crazy thing. There have been some really, really good submarine closers. I, I'll invoke the Derek DePriest and Coulter Beans of the Jack day. Krawcheck, you're Jack Krawcheck. Jack Krawcheck was low slop, but how about uh, Darren O'Day, yeah, Connor sure. Falkenback, one yeah. of my all-time favorite yeah. names. But David Berg is the best. He's, he's the, the best. best of all those guys. You might have to just retire the submarine closer for this guy. He's even how about better. the guy who was a, the, the setup guy at uh, South Carolina in 2010? Yeah, John, John Taylor. 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 John Taylor was, he was automatic. Really he was really unbelievable. Good. David Berg is better than all those guys. Is he better than Caleb Gloffenheim? Well, let's not go there. <laughs> Caleb Gloffenheim, all time. He's like in the Sipnarf Sip, Loopstock Hall of Fame for names. That's true. Gloffenheim, what a great name. Great pull, I forgot all about that you guy. Love, you love that guy. I wrote a whole column about Caleb Gloffenheim. But David Berg, is, so they do have David Berg. They have James Caprillion. They have Grant Watson. They have experience. They do have... Cody Petit, who was, was uh, okay on Sunday, but not, not as good. But, uh, oh, they don't have Hunter Virant, correct? Virant, is Virant out, I'm sorry. I guess he's out for the year. Then they, but they, they do uh, Offensively, there are fewer answers. There's less depth. Yes. Most college teams are going to have, what, 80-20? 75 25 in their scholarships in sure. pitching versus hitting. Um, they're just fewer, you just you just have more scholarship arms than you have scholarship reserves basically for position players. So, it really, I mean, you, you noted that he hit third this weekend. Ty Moore was a big time dude in high school, didn't have a big freshman year, but this guy <laughs> is ex- this is the guy who's gonna have to, Absolutely. I, I hate to use the word, step up. But and Chris Keck, 
Right. As a, as a you know now they're they're starting third baseman, a guy they've been waiting on, and he hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity. There've been guys in front of him, but he's got to he's got to step up to use that same yeah. term. Uh, and they still have Pat Gallagher, you know, veteran guy, and and, and Shane Zeal's got to have a better year. All right. those guys need to elevate their games. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but they do have enough pitching. That I, I still think they're going to be a top twenty-five team. Right. It's not. It's not all on time more. Right. But time more probably has more scholarship money than the, the average position player there. Uh, if not, he was at the very least recruited with more fanfare than the average position player at UCLA. So. Of whom more is given, more is expected, and, and that's uh, that's what the situation that the Bruins find themselves in. Um, it's a Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Aaron, the next place I thought I would go was Indiana. Oh, we could go somewhere else, uh, but you know, actually, you mentioned Cal Poly. Let's stay on the West real quick because you previewed Cal Poly in Kansas State. Yeah, I think you and I, you're going to Manhattan later this season. Yes, to get a firsthand look at the Wildcats. I I, I love the just the blue collar grind program that K-State has become under Brad Hill, the heights that he has taken this formerly nondescript college baseball program. And preseason ranking in the top 25 after going to a Super Regional last year, and they go to Cal Poly, and not only do they get swept, but this is a lineup that I think we thought what was the their their fit matrix grade was pretty high. They they their their offense grade was high, and it's because they were an elite offense last year. They were right. a top ten team in the nation in hitting. <laughs> that, um, that's the word. They were elite with yep. the bats last year, and Cal Poly just snuffed them out this yes. weekend. That was probably the most impressive weekend any team had. Was Cal Poly yes. visiting a, a borderline top twenty five team versus a top twenty five preseason ranked team. And you expect the West Coast team to be ahead of the Midwest team Absolutely. early, but they weren't ahead by a little bit. They lapped them. Yeah, and, you know, I expected Matt Imhoff to be really good. I didn't necessarily expect 14 strikeouts against a really good team that doesn't strike out that much. That's crazy. But the next Pitcher two guys, to me, Slater Lee and Casey Bloomquist, to come out there and shove the way they did. Um, that's That, to me, was the, that's the only reason Cal Poly wasn't in the preseason top 25 was I didn't trust the rotation after Imhoff. I mean, right. they lost Joey Wagman. Um, you know, there were these two unknowns that were sliding their rotation, and Larry Lee said it last week. He's like, we don't know what, what, you know, what we're going to get out of these guys. Right. I mean, you, this, this sounded in the, pre, the lead up to the weekend, it sounded like a, after Imhoff, a Johnny Holstaff weekend for both teams. You know, both coaches were talking about, like, hey, let's hope we get five. Yeah. You know, and, so, and, and uh, obviously worked out much better than that. For the Mustangs. Yeah, so if, if Polly, you know, if, if their number two and three guys can pitch like that all year long, I think they're really complete because I like the three main guys they have in the bullpen. I love their lineup, the capability of their lineup. I mean, it's one of those teams, uh, you know, even last year, I liked their talent so much that I always thought of them as a really offensive club. And, and Larry Lee made the point that they actually underachieved on offense last year for mo- most, most of the season. Mm-hmm. You look up and their stats weren't really that loud. Um, but this weekend, I think they performed offensively more like they're capable of. And you saw... You know, a guy like Jimmy Allen, who I've, I've always really liked yep. um, as a senior, you know, he had a nice weekend and drove in some runs, and he's got to be in the middle of a lot of rallies for them. Nick Torres, I think, is a great player. That One of the one of the best players who didn't make our preseason All-America team for me. Mm. Um, you know, he was... Was I, he the Roth star? I think he was one of the Roth stars. I thought he was. Um, you know, and he had a good weekend. And, you know, Mundell drove in some runs. I mean, they've got some real physicality in the middle. Uh, I've, I've always liked Jordan Ellis in center field, just an athlete that uh, can do a lot of different things and you know has some strength also. Um, I mean, they're just, I think they're good. I think they're really good. And, and you know, you, you talked about Kentucky yep. um, being right outside the rankings in the preseason, Cal Poly. I mean, the teams for me, the next five after our top 25 Those were two, Cal Poly, Wazoo. Kentucky, Arizona State, 
Florida Atlantic, and, and yeah, maybe Wazoo. I mean, um, I'm probably forget. I think I'm forgetting somebody else that was strongly in the mix. But those are the teams that I feel like we talked the most about. I remember talking about Wazoo a lot, and because they were on that borderline for me, and it was just uh, you know they 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 came up. With, there were there were like three West Coast teams that were right on that cusp. Yeah. Arizona State, which lost its first game to Baylor, but rallied to win the weekend series. Wazoo had to go on the road to Fullerton. Uh, not an easy way to open a season. They were uh, competitive, win a game, obviously, yeah. and, and you know they were lost they, the final by a run, and they were in the lead for in that game on Sunday for a while too. So that was a game they could have won, but um, you know their their pitching depth, I think, is not where um, you know it's not where Fullerton's pitching depth is. Right. That's the bottom line. So right. it's it's hard to to win a Sunday game against a, a staff as deep as Fullerton's. Aaron, do you imagine that a guy like Thomas Eshelman, who was so good last year as a freshman, I mean, he was so good. He reminds me so much of Wes Romer, mm. the former Fullerton All-American uh, Friday guy, command and control guy. How much do you think being left off the Preachers All-American team motivates a guy like Thomas Eshelman, or does he need that kind of motivation? I have to imagine Rick Vanderhoek printed that thing out and put it in his locker. Yeah, maybe. That's, I mean, that's the kind of thing Hookie would that's do. That's the kind it? of thing Hookie would do. You're right. That's a good call. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he's on a lot of other preseason All-American teams, right. to be fair. But, um, you know, we all know how... how great Thomas Eshelman is. I mean, and he, it's funny, he just did the same thing this weekend that he always does. He goes out there, what was it, eight strikeouts, no walks, of course. Unbelievable. I mean, it's just, his, his career strikeout walk ratio is one of the most ridiculous things ever. That guy gets to but, Omaha, he's liable to pitch a no-hitter. Yeah. I mean, in, in that, that ballpark, ballpark yeah. he's liable to pitch a no-hitter in that ballpark. Because, I mean, he carves up the zone, and he doesn't seem like he, people ever square him up. That's it. That's it. And it's just four pitches, any pitch in any, any count, and any location, and it's just, he's tough. Yeah, he just, his consistency, every coach talks about consistency with young players, and we're talking about college baseball players, so they're all young players. His consistency is just so off the charts. He just, he never has, he's never going to have seven wild pitches in a game. No offense to Matt Crook, (laughs) this guy's never going to have seven wild pitches in a career. I could be back there catching him, they wouldn't be wild pitches. Yeah, I mean, he's in that that Aaron Nola Nola mold, and you can't compare a lot of guys to Aaron Nola. Right. But those two guys are in a league of their own as far as command in college baseball for me. Well, you said Aaron Nola. That gives me a great opportunity to go to the SEC, talk a little bit about the Southeastern Conference. First of all, it's cool to see some college baseball on MLB Network this weekend, Uh, Urban Invitational in New Orleans. But I guess they relocated some of that... uh, Oh, you know the way that uh, well maybe not I couldn't even recognize the ballpark on uh, on TV and they played some of that in Metairie yeah Metairie yeah Metairie yeah so that's why I saw the uh, I didn't recognize the ballpark because they were actual you know uh, ads on yeah. the on the walls um, but you know UNO's program kind of coming back the return of Ron Maestri to Division One baseball is kind of interesting Blake Dean being an assistant coach for New Orleans and his younger brothers playing at LSU it's kind of fun to watch a little bit of that on TV but. Uh, anything stand out to you from the SEC this weekend? I mean, there wasn't really a, I guess the biggest statement series, if it was a statement, was Vanderbilt going to Long Beach State, sweeping three games. You know, Long Beach State's not quite back to what they once were, but still a good program and still a good, a good team. And Vanderbilt just kind of brushed them aside pitching-wise. Uh, mm. Pretty thick marine layer. Not sure if you saw that picture of Brian <laughs> Miller. Yeah, but I did. Was that marine layer or was that just fog? No, I think that's marine layer. I think that's that's appropriate use of marine layer. All right, that was a pretty cool picture. If you don't, uh, if you haven't seen the picture, go on the go on the Twitter machine and find uh, Vanderbilt baseball. There was a great picture they tweeted out of Brad Miller, another sidearm submarine Brian type. Miller. Jo- Brian Miller, thank you. Brad Miller is a Clemson shortstop. Throwing, uh, finishing a pitch and the ball is coming right out of the marine layer. Tough to pick up, and impossible you know, to elevate. A side sidebar here, Johnny. Yes. I, I loved. 
and, and, and if, if Tyler Kincaid, if you're listening at San Diego, was taunting me about leaving that perfect weather on the West Coast, uh, and then, of course, he, he... Tyler Kincaid, who I schooled in Words with Friends, by the way. Oh, wow, all right. Tyler, I'm going to talk a little Words with Friends smack on you here. But anyway, he, he was taunting me, and then he, he came up back with a mea culpa tweet and said, oh, we got a fog delay here in San Diego, <laughs> and then, that game wound up being suspended, so... That's funny. How about that, that? I love that. I, 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 I got five that games way. out here in uh, North Carolina this weekend. If you're listening, in the snow, <laughs> no less. Um, but that that but, but Vanderbilt, pretty impressive. Yes. South Carolina was impressive. It was Bucknell. Uh, no Matthew Wilson pitching beautifully for Bucknell in this one. Um, they were they were overmatched, but South Carolina, uh, very uh, strong performance and. How about Will Crow? Another yeah. guy that... Uh, Highly touted freshman. Yeah, and, and another guy that left with a no-hitter intact. So there are like four of those this weekend, I think, at least. Um, We're going to look back on the Tennessee high school baseball class of 2013. It's going to be fascinating to watch how those guys go. Kyle Serrano comes out of there. Dakota Hudson, who went to... Uh, Serrano won his debut, by the way, this weekend. Right. And Hudson, I think, pitched okay. Hudson pitched very well. I believe... I, just, I saw tweets uh, from the Mississippi State writers that he was touched 98. Out of the bullpen for Mississippi State. Yeah, I heard 95, 96. I believe 98. Yeah, and I, be- I'm, I mean, the velocity, he's a big, raw-boned, tall kid. Um, and then you got Will Crow. Those three kids are cool uh, going to make their mark in the Southeastern Conference. Um, that, that was an ex- – I scouts knew it was a very exciting prep class in Tennessee last yeah. year. It's going to be fascinating to watch how those guys progress. And I heard Crow stuff was filthy, too, this he's, week. I mean, he's a bad mother. Oh. Yeah, he's really... Yeah, that guy's your Sunday guy behind those two lefties who can really pitch. I mean, they just... Uh, what a great uh, different look to give hitters, and it's just three really good good pitchers. And, and you know, I, and I like their offense, the way it, it performed this weekend. I mean, I think, home runs. I think South Carolina, I feel good about that as the team to beat in the SEC right now. I agree. Um, like you said, LSU, Mississippi State. Vanderbilt, I didn't get, really get to comment yeah. on that. but I mean, I was going there next. That's yeah, okay. yeah. Sorry. I was, That's okay. Keep going. Vanderbilt, You're the expert. Vanderbilt, um, you know, they can pitch, Sean. They have such <laughs> they have ridiculous so many, depth. They have so many arms. It's, it's embarrassing. I mean, it's embarrassing. To tell you. Again, I'm not trying to bang on the guy. TJ Pecoraro, who's like an upper 80s command and control guy. Was he a fourth-year junior? Yeah. He's had Tommy John. He came back. He was their Friday guy a couple of years ago. Yep. He just completely lost in this shuffle. I mean, it no must be. No relief. Yeah. I mean, it must be. And you know that if their injuries or if someone falters, they probably trust this guy to go start a game for them if they need it. But, I mean, to they, 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 this is what should have followed from back-to-back number one recruiting classes. Yeah. Just, you know, they yeah. have this embarrassment of riches on the mound. And, uh, and Tyler yeah. Ferguson is a guy that yeah. nobody really talked a whole lot about. I mean, we yeah. knew about him. I mean, I knew I knew how what he was capable of doing. Uh, but he was out there, and I think I saw reports that he was like 93, 95. Yeah. Yeah. And it's heavy, and he's got a really good curveball, and, and it's just, that's your Sunday guy again. That's I mean. their Sunday guy. And they have, you know, the, the scouting directors I talked to, I told the two guys just about the weekend in general on Sunday, because there were several directors, uh, uh, at least five or six directors in Raleigh on Sunday. And uh, two of the guys that I talked to both said that the reports from the weekend, one of the most encouraging reports was how good Tyler Beatty looked. Tyler Beatty threw strikes. And the last look that a lot of these scouting directors had had, besides fall ball, but against other teams where it wasn't intra-squad, was in a USA national team uniform last summer for Tyler Beatty, and he was a mess. That's the only time I've ever seen him in person, and he was a mess. His delivery was all over the place. He could not throw strikes. And uh, so it was very encouraging. 
I, I think his strong five innings, what he walked one, uh, that was one of the most encouraging developments from a scouting de- de- development, uh, from a draft standpoint of the whole weekend was yeah. how good Tyler Beatty looked. So obviously you're also very encouraged if you are Vanderbilt. But how much better can he be for Vanderbilt? What was he fourteen and one last year? Right. Uh, gave up fewer <laughs> hits than walks. I mean the guy was almost literally unhittable last year. So uh, embarrassment of riches there. Aaron, we actually have a couple of Twitter questions. At least I do. Um, one from uh, Jason Knip. Uh, in our rankings and analysis, how much weight do we put into Sunday games versus Friday and Saturday? Example, Kentucky's weekend. I would say that the weekend, all those games count more than midweek games. I mean, I think we just kind of take every game. I, I guess it's a matter of uh, you take the weekend in total. Don't you try to take the weekend kind of in total, Aaron? What is the big picture yeah. of what a team did on a weekend? Yeah, that's true. And, and um, you know, maybe occasionally – you know, like in Kentucky's case, I mean, they, they played two great games and lost the Sunday game. I mean, I, I still think you're right. I think you look at the weekend as, as, as a whole. Um, I don't think we necessarily place more weight on on the Friday game than the Sunday game. Because if right. you got two great starters and you don't have a third starter, you're still flawed. Right. Um, you know, I mean, it, the Sunday games are important. And, yes, we, we've made no secret of the fact that we – Tend to weight weekend games more than midweek games, and midweek games count too. But if but if you're in the postseason, um, you know it's designed really to win three games in regionals and then three games in super regionals. And if you keep doing that pattern, I mean you can win the national championship. Right. So I mean the the four starter just isn't as important uh, unless you fall into a losers bracket, I suppose. But I mean it, it nice to have a four starter. It's nice to win midweek games, but the weekend games are what matters. Yeah, Aaron, we actually have quite a few questions, which is really cool. So. Uh, for those of you listening, thanks a lot. I'm not going to be able to answer all of them, but a lot of, a lot of good questions on here, including uh, Brian, uh, well, at Choice Selection, Brian C., I can't pronounce his last name. How do these cold-weather teams continue to win? Coaching and state talent? Let's just take Kanishas, for example, Aaron, as one example. But I mean, first of all, I think that they just don't think of themselves that way. Right. I just remember uh, my template for this, recently anyway, is uh, from the bearded wonder himself, Kirk Casale, on that Vanderbilt 2011 team. But first of all, he's talking about that toughness mentality of Northern kids who are used to uh, obstacles in their path for playing baseball. But I think most of these teams just they carry that chip on their shoulder. And, and again, Kanisha's played with it this weekend. Yeah, no, that's it. And and you know they don't think of themselves as disadvantaged. Right. And they just you know they 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 got a lot of experience in that team and. You know, I think a lot of the northern teams that are successful um, early in the year, in particular, are the ones that have a lot of veterans, and that's not you know. Like Clemson series against Eastern Michigan, was it yeah. Eastern Michigan or yeah. Central Eastern, Michigan that you Eastern. were Eastern Michigan that you had pretty high expectations for this team? Well, Central Michigan is the one that I like more. Okay, uh, but Eastern Michigan is offensive, and you know they they expected to score a lot of runs this weekend, and they battled pretty hard and 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 did swing the bats pretty well down to Clemson. They won one of those games down there, but those teams that still they don't go down there to, to cast a check. You know, Binghamton came and played Duke in a tight series, won a game from Duke, correct? Yeah, I think so. Duke's a borderline regional team. Um, Binghamton's not here to cast a check. They've been to regionals, too. I mean, these teams just, you know, uh, I think all these teams, Aaron, you can speak to this more than I could. How many, for these coaches or for those players, how big of a, how great of an example and a carrot was Stony Brook? And and Kent State, huge for those programs, aren't they? Oh, man. I mean, it changed everything. It really did. And, you know, I... I love this story that a scout told me um, after the Stony Brook run. He, I think it was in the fall. He went to a game, and there's kids out there with you know Jankowski taped on their backs. You That's know, so out awesome. There. I just, that story. I mean, it's just that, that kind of stuff. It really 
captivated a lot of people up there. But it also gave all those, it did give all those schools hope. You know, I mean, it can be done as a four seed, as a northern four seed. To go to freaking Alex Box? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's still, like, impossible to believe in retrospect. Yeah. I mean, it really is just, you say it out loud, Stony Brook went to Alex Box. After they, after they went to Miami the week before. That's right. I mean, they beat two programs that have ten national championships between them. It's so insane. It is so insane. I would not believe it if I hadn't seen it uh, in person. Uh, that, that that's just awesome. A um, couple other Twitter questions we have here, and again, uh, I'm at John Manuel BA. He's at Aaron Fit. Uh, for those of us not familiar with 2014 Long Beach, can you put Vandy's weekend into perspective? How good we expect? Where did Long Beach fall in our preseason? If we'd done preseason rankings in the Big West, uh, where did they fall? Uh, to me, they'd probably be in that somewhere in that kind of four to five or six range. Um, you know, I, I think the top three teams. For me, pretty clearly, Fullerton, Poly, and then probably Santa Barbara. Right. Uh, and then I think you're talking about Long Beach in the mix there with uh, maybe a Irvine and a Riverside. I mean, right. to me, those three teams are the next tier. Um, and those, you know, I could see any of those six teams competing for a regional. Um, I feel best about those top three. But I think Long Beach should be, you know, again, they've got they've got a lot of older guys now in the lineup especially. And, and on the mound, they're healthier. Um, you know, they've had some injury issues in the past. I mean... Um, there's not a lot of elite top-end talent there like like Long Beach had back in the salad days. Right. It's, um, a, it's, it's a, too much to expect anyone to come up with Tulowitzki and Longoria at the same time, <laughs> which is really just crazy. Um, or, you know, and, and Jared Weaver in that same mix. And the line of big leaguers out of Long Beach State there was uh, pretty epic for a while. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, they started Nick Sabo on Friday, and that's a that's – a lefty that I've always kind of been intrigued by. I mean, again, it's not a huge velocity, but it's got angle and pitchability and actually pretty decent stuff. Um, and he, you know, he, he pitched okay on Friday. I mean, they, they've got some, they got some depth on the mound. Um, and you know, again, veterans like Eno Patron and Michael Hill, Richard Prigatano, uh, Eric, you know, Eric Cutting and Bac- Johnny Bacakis out there, and they've got a lot of older players. So I mean, those that, guys are all. I know all those guys. They've been there a while. They've been there a while. So. Uh, and then Garrett Hampson, the dynamic freshman shortstop, who's an exciting player for them. Um, I think uh, I think Long Beach should be decent. Uh, I think that's a, that's a nice test to open the season for Vanderbilt. I mean, again, it's not uh, an elite opponent, but it's it's a nice weekend. I'm also going to go to at Dylan Carlos. He asks, where can you download and what do you think of Tulane's fr- Friday starter, J.P. France? First off, where do you download Baseball America? Just search Baseball America on iTunes in the podcast department. Uh, you can also find the Baseball America podcast on our website, it's harder than it used to be for whatever reason. Uh, you go to the redesignbaseballamerica.com. We'll have it in the rotator today. It will be in the rotator. We're, we've learned that. But if you scroll down, uh, basically a screen where there's the viewpoint, or there's a line of uh, mug shots, J.J. Cooper, Tracy Reglesby, myself. One of the, There's a logo right next to it that says podcast. That's where you find the Baseball America podcast. And J.P. France, Aaron, uh, you know, uh, first Friday starter or opening day starter apparently for Rick Jones, the first time he ever started a freshman on opening day, J.P. France was a BA 500 member, and he had a great debut. Yeah, he did, and, and you know, he's it, it's it's a power arm. I mean, it's a guy that I think is going to be a real impact guy for them. I mean, a, a low 90s arm with a, with yep. a good slider. I mean, he's... And uh, a strong build, like some now mm-hmm. strength in his body was the thing that scouts... Was it the debate for him out of high school was how much projection is there on this guy? 
because he had his kind of his man strength uh, to an extent already. Yeah, kind of like a Keegan Thompson type at, yeah. at Auburn. Yeah. Another similar. guy who had a really nice debut, by the way. Preseason freshman of the year for me, That's nationally. Right. I like Keegan Thompson. Or did That's you right. pick him? I, I had Chris Oakey. Did That's you right. Go, you go I thought Keegan? I went Keegan Thompson. I went Keegan for SEC freshman of the year. Maybe that's what would I, maybe I don't know. I remember I was uh, I was all over. I, I know I was. I'm, I'm I'm bullish on Keegan Thompson for the Auburn Tigers. Indeed. So, um, but France, yeah, for me, he's in that mold. He's a physically mature, uh, pretty advanced freshman uh, and a competitor and, and a guy that uh, you know he, he's going to be probably a legit Friday starter for three years there. Well, Jeff in DC, we've asked and answered on that question. Will you guys stand behind UVA or jump ship after the first weekend? Well, uh, I guess Cavaliers are not Commodores. That would be the jumping ship. Jeff, Jeff in D.C. is, is a frequent... Uh, um, Cavalier fan? He, no, he's, he's, a, he's a Twitter combatant. He's, he's, a, he's an anti-ACC. Uh. Ah, okay. <laughs> Do you still believe they have the best team? Yes. Um, and then uh, Jason Nip uh, in our ranking, we, we answered that question. And at Matt Lozar, I just want to make sure everyone who uh, tweeted at us, uh, we mentioned this, thoughts on the Canisius NC State game. I think we talked a lot about that. But Steve G. Gherkin... Did ask thoughts on Wayne Graham about to get his thousandth win. What is his legacy? Um, you know, I don't think he was in the position of uh, having to defend a legacy a la Peyton Manning. But Wayne Graham's legacy, Aaron, first and foremost, I mean, he just defines college baseball in Texas to me for the last 30 years. Both first at San Jack, national championship coach, coach Roger Clemens, coach Dandy Pettit, and then making Rice relevant. I mean, made rise from nothing unto being uh, probably the most consistent program over the last, uh, during his tenure. They basically won the conference championship every year that he's yeah. been there. It's yep. unbelievable to be that consistent. And he made rice relevant in baseball, won a national championship, um, a team that will always be special to me. The last time I covered Omaha start to finish was Rice 03. And, uh, yeah, it was one of the. Uh, I, I think he gets bashed a lot in the interwebs these days because of the track record of their pitchers and pro ball, and there's some substance to that. But I don't think it's all on Wayne Graham. And, uh, to me, he's just one of my all-time favorite people in college baseball. One of college baseball's all-time great coaches. Yes, I mean he, he summed it up pretty pretty perfectly. I mean he's one of those guys that anytime you get a chance to see him, um, I'm kicking myself still from not getting out to their super regional last year. The draft and the super regionals. Being at the same time, I didn't get out to Raleigh last year for that Super Regional. I'm just kicking myself that I missed Wayne there. Every, uh, every, really time, every time you see him, it's a treat. Because, you know, before the game, you're walking on the field. He's sitting on the, on the top, you know, uh, back of the dugout. And he sees it goes, oh, hey, and he invites you to come down and take a seat. And, you know, just wants to talk baseball and yeah, tell exactly. stories. And it's just, just such a great baseball man. And His passion for his players and for the game remains undiminished. You know, I yeah. mean, it's just hard to, uh, you just don't make them like that anymore, you know. So I, I love talking to him back in the day about throwing BP to the Astros back in the day, uh, doing those kind of things. But to me, he just, you know, he was also all, all about Houston. He had great passion for that area and for he wanting to see the city of Houston be a baseball city. Yeah. And, um, you know, the Astros' success was important to him. Right. Rice's success, University of Houston's success. High school teams in that area, Carl Crawford being good in the big league, all those things, any Houston player you could think of, uh, that was important to him. So I always respected Wayne as a big-picture guy. Yeah. And just think about the fact that if you played for Wayne Graham at Rice, you played for a guy who played for Casey freaking Stengel in the big leagues, who was Babe <laughs> Ruth's teammate. 
You talk about the degrees of separation here and what the game, what baseball has. Wayne Graham is this link to this other time in baseball that is very unique and very special, and uh, love Wayne. And, you know, you talk about how he's a, he's a great big-picture guy. Um, I think a great example of that is, is how he's been – he was really leading – the crusade here to change the ball. Yeah. Because um, even though he's a pitching guy and he's, you know, his dial is pitching and defense, and he, you know, he was not somebody who could ever hit the, the long ball in his playing days. Right. Home run never did anything for Wayne Graham. <laughs> but um, he thinks it's important for the game that we not lose the home run and the excitement that it brings. And he, we don't want to go back to the dead ball era. I think it's awesome you brought this up. And, and so, you know, that was selfless. For me, I mean, I don't think that was, I don't think that was that was one of those things that he was doing because he thought it would give him any kind of competitive advantage. I think he is cons- genuinely concerned about the direction the game was heading, and he spoke out about it. Talk about legacy. I mean, that's that's how he wants to be remembered. Yeah, uh, that he did. He gave back to college baseball. It gave him so much. So, I don't think we can top that, Aaron. A little, yeah. a little uh, Wayne Graham stuff. So, great questions. Um, hit us up every week. You can email at podcast at baseballamerica.com, but frankly, Twitter is the better way to do it. He's at Aaron Fit. I'm at John Manuel BA. This is the Baseball America College Podcast brought to you by Louisville Slugger. We'll be back next Monday and every Monday during the season to talk college baseball with you here at baseballamerica.com. For Aaron, I'm John. We'll see you next week. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.